The Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness, but mostly just wallow in mediocrity, with your hosts, Mike Borkfeld and Craig Cerventi. Good evening, welcome. That or good morning. It could, could be morning. Could be. Could be morning. It could yeah. be afternoon. It's a little very BBC. Yeah, I was going to say, and this <gasps> is the good BBC. E- good evening. And this um, is the BBC. No. My name's Mike. I'm Craig. This is a podcast called Virgin on Greatness. Yay. We talk about movies. Movies. Not quite good. Maybe a little bit good. Not quite great. But we're at something that's there. just not, not, quite that's right. not quite right. But they should be great. They right? should be fantastic. Some movies that are good and that's the best they're ever meant to be. But sometimes there's, mm. a, there's a great movie and you just think, man, some, just a, a couple of little things in that movie could have been the bomb. On fire, as um, it were. And and we try and understand what it is about the movie that doesn't quite. And work. sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes we just can't figure it out. Don't want it. That expectation setting. Yeah, you're, you're setting it way too high, man. Like people are going to come to this and they're going to think they're going to get all the answers. Like I finally, I finally want to know what happened, and these guys are going to explain it, and we're just going to confuse you more. Okay, so our movie. Our movie today is Brave. Now, this is a bit of a weird one. This is a, a, a re-record. This, we did a this retake? A, we did, a retake. This, we did this as our very first one when we were just practicing. Effectively, so, what turned out to be just practicing. But we've got better gear now, and we think we've got a better handle on what we're doing. So we're doing it again. Yeah, yeah. So, so take this is take two on Brave. Now, Brave came out 2012, and I still haven't adjusted any more to the fact that it was it's so recent. I watched this movie in part today. And still blew me away that this is 2012. It, it, feel, it feels like it's at least like, 15 years old. Yeah, it old. feels like it should have been in the early 2000s. To me, it feels way older than um, anything else Pixar has done around this time. Yeah, so Wally came out before this. Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3 came Toy out Story before this. Toy Story 3 came out before this. Yeah. So this is, this is a, a pretty recent, pretty well, relatively recent film. It's not so recent anymore, but... Still um, pretty recent. Just, six it's years just, ago. It's more recent than it feels like it should be. Feels a lot longer ago. Just even saying this film's six years old makes me feel like it should be like sixteen years old. Yeah. So it's the uh, it was the thirteenth Pixar film. That blows me away. Did we? What did we figure out? Where Where does it fit in the in the Pixar Disney? So this is thing? this is definitely post Disney buying Pixar. So yeah. just for clarity, Disney has always or. In a, in a roundabout way, has always had a hand in Pixar, but Pixar was a company set up um, by a whole bunch of people, including Steve Jobs, which I'll get into a little bit later on. Yeah. Um, but this film was set up by them to make computer animated movies, and they were the only ones doing it at the time. Um, and this was after their original deal had ended, and Disney just trucked up with boatloads of money and bought yeah. Pixar outright. Swallowed them up. Swallowed them up. So that it just became a, a Disney studio, yeah. as it were. And this is the first this is the first Pixar film with a female protagonist. Yeah. As, and as, out, as well, out. which which I think was a was a big deal. And it's also the first one set time. entirely in the in, in history as well. Yes. Yeah, because yes. Wally right. happens in the future. That's right. but um, and if you, you know, there's this whole conspiracy theory around Pixar films. They're all, all, all in the same universe. All in the same universe. Yeah. They, um, and they all have the Pizza Planet truck in them. So. They all have the Pizza Planet truck in them somewhere. They all reference the next movie that's coming out. Um, yeah. So um, this, 
holds true, Scully turns up in the witch's hut. And the movie that came out after this was Monsters University, I think. Um, so Jeez, let, really? let that wrinkle your brain a little. Um, but yeah, so this movie is odd in terms of the Pixar canon. It feels very strange. And I, th- and I think when, when you look at I mean, there's two big movies that I think it's the precursor to. Um, Frozen and Moana. Oh, absolutely! And you just you you can't you can't look at it now without seeing so, that they were they were they were proto, off. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a proto proto Frozen, proto Moana, proto Tangled. Yes, um, not a musical. No, no. Music, no music in this. Which is a which is a staple of that whole Disney princess film, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tangled so, has musical numbers. Kind of interesting in that regard, but the, the yeah the first one to first one to have a a, a female protagonist and to um, f- yeah face up to that that sort of challenge of um, yeah being a um, self actualized character yeah, yeah, and self realized and yeah has agency feminism yeah. and um, but also yeah. Uh, what does it mean for her to getting away from the kind of prison, the princess as the as the dam, the damsel in distress? Yeah, essentially, right? So yeah, yeah. Well, take, yeah. turning that on its head. So, yeah. For those of you who don't know, um, Brave uh, two thousand twelve film set in I don't know is it historical Scotland? I don't think it's ever actually called Scotland. Is it? It's strongly, strongly implied that it is Scotland. That must be. I don't know if they ever... Oh, no, they're obviously Scottish. They're clearly Scottish. Um, so much Scottish that they... Billy yeah, Connolly. Billy Connolly is in it, so that's... Yeah. yeah and um, Kelly, Kelly MacDonald. Kelly MacDonald, yeah. Um, uh, who plays Merida. Merida, yeah. Was, she was in Trainspotting. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah. Um, all the voice acting in this is um, excellent. Uh, everyone, every part, I think, is just brilliantly mm. voice acted. Yeah. Um, it's a good film, Thanks for listening, everyone. We're done. <laughs> We're out. See you next time. Good. Um, Good. Not great. Um, and 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 look, there is there is one obvious thing I think that is the, the problem with this film, um, and it's pretty much everything that happens beyond the first act involving the bear. The bear. So um, to address the bear in the movie or in the room. Um, <laughs> the um, the film the film features uh, a magic spell which um, Merida, not content with her life as a, a princess to be married off to one of three warring clans or four comp- sorry three competing clans, um, goes and visits a, a very charming witch in a hut, um, following some willow wisps to get there, who sells her a spell to change her fate. Um, and in doing so, turns her mother into a bear. Yes. Who would have thought the spell from the witch in the hut <laughs> would not turn out to have the consequences? She seems so credible. She got such a great review on Yelp. That is, that is an awesome scene. I love the witch. The, the witch, witch is great. I love the, the voicemail really later good. when she goes back and there's the help. The voice, that's right. She has a voicemail message that comes out. Doll one comes out uh, of the quadrant. It's really good. Um, but yeah, so and and the weird thing is nothing in the there is there's nothing in the uh, in, in essentially in the first act that suggests this is where the story is going. There's nothing in the marketing to suggest this is where the yeah. Story's so going. there's a weird prologue, but where they talk about a, a brother or no four 
lords who were going to rule the land. And the father's telling her a story as a child. And um, Mike's about to be attacked by his cat. No, change his mind. Um, uh, and there's a, a, a... Oh, no, she's coming over here. Here we go. Uh, am I going to get a cat on the lap? No, it just wants pets. Um, there's a... Um, there's a, a prologue story that sort of indicates that, you know, a big bad bear is 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 what happens when you... Do the prologue say he gets changed into a bear? No, I mean, that's that's something that's... That's a, that's a, a, you know, a third act. Oh, that's reveal, right. Reveal. Yeah, yeah, it reveals that the... Or, or she finds out later, like, she's, oh, he turned into a bear. And yeah. so... Because um, it's the the bear, because her, her dad has had his... Leg. His leg removed taken off by this famously vicious bear called yep. Mor- Mordu. Mordu, a more um, Scottish name you yeah, could not have. Which turns, yeah, t- which, which turns out to be a, a, a person who was transformed into a bear, um, thus building the tension from the fact that her mum has been turned into a bear because if she can't reverse the spell, by the second she, day she break, will become more, more bear-like. The change will be permanent. Um, yeah, and, and she will lose where where for the for most of the, the second act, or most of the, the second and third act of the film, She's a bear. But retains her human re- sensibilities. Yeah. So. yeah. And much of the second and third act comedy and action comes from the fact that she's a, a bear um, but has human intelligence yeah. and mannerisms. Yeah. So. It's, yeah, it's kind of... And it's... And it's yeah, a lot of those scenes work really well because you've got the, the, the mum who is very prissy and is um, very well-to-do. And, and voiced by and, Emma Thompson and has had perfect manners and Merida um, mum's name is Eleanor Merida who is you know she's feisty and she she fires arrows and she rides her horse and um, not so wearing not the, in the side saddle yeah, as well mind you that's the that's the that's the that's the clash and you do get these really great scenes where um, the mum in bare form is kind of she's trying to eat with a knife and fork um and, and, and a lot of there's a, lot, a lot of really good comedy comes out of that, um, and, and and yeah, it it, it it escalates through the middle of the, the after the, the the midpoint where she yeah she discovers that the, there's a time limit to the spell and beyond that it'll become and sort she of, yeah state, she gets hints of the mother turning into a bear becoming you know or that change where the mother is a bear and uh, uh, he says with air quotes a dumb animal. Um, yeah, yeah, a vicious stomach. Yeah, and she, and Merida, she even Merida even has to teach Eleanor how to be a bear. She teaches her to teaches her to fish. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a scene so with them she, fishing. She kind of she kind of learns. So there's a there is a really really nice um, um, kind of twin arc between the two of them. Oh, very very complimentary. Eleanor, Eleanor learns more of the value of fending for yourself. Um, but at the same time, towards the end, so so um, Merida discovers that the um, the kind of device uh, which with which she can reverse the spell is this tapestry that mm. she has torn in a, in a in an argument. If she can sew it back together, she has literally split them apart. Yeah, yeah. But she needs to sneak back into the castle with her mum as this bear. But to do that, um, she she kind of has to. She has to. There's a the, the kind of the second act turning point is where she she goes in and she gives this speech um, to this, this the kind of state, war this kind of statesmanship, yeah. act of statesmanship to distract these warring clans, so that her mother can 
can get upstairs at a, as a bear without anybody noticing. Mm. Um, um, to retrieve the tapestry and repair it. Yeah. So she. So that. Which yeah. What they're aiming. What they're shooting for is, is kind of Merida learning the value of customs. Oh, and, and tradition and, and, and taking it, and yeah, tra- and tradition, yeah, and she, yeah, yeah which, and where, which she's previously, which is the which is the against. counterpoint for the mother who is all about traditional values and and custom and Merida is obviously about finding her own path and her fate is her own and like that's great. Mm. I think all of that's fantastic. Um, it's just it's still weird that without I find the whole bear thing odd. Well, I think the the, the first act is. Is, is great. The best. Yeah, the it's best fantastic. Of the film. You like, get these, um, so Merit is a she's a fantastic character. You love you love watching her. Um, she's fantastically kind of realized. Yeah, the animation this, the, and what brought her to life and, yeah, and, the, the, and the, the red flowing, hair. Oh, the, the, the hair's the, great. The flowing hair just tells you everything you need to know about. Yeah, yeah, that character. wild, out of control red hair. Um, and there's this uh, really good, great scene where. Um, uh, they're having an archery contest. Well, she suggests it. So she's like, they, there's a contest. Oh, that's, that's yeah, right. Yeah. She, there's a contest to basically see which one of the clan's proposed mates can uh, win her. And they're going to have a whole bunch of like traditional Scottish sort of caber tossing, you know, yeah. hammer throw sort of things. And she suggests an archery contest. Um, and the which film she happens, which is, she, she happens she's to awesome at. She's awesome at archery. Um, and then she competes for her own hand and trounces the competition, yeah. much to the mother's disgust and much to the other clan's disgust, which sets up a, a conflict not only for the mother and her, but for the clans and her father. Yeah. Um, because marrying her to one of the to these one of these three doltish sons is is how they're going to solidify their union moving forward yeah. until the English show up apparently and ruin everything yeah. for everyone. But you really, you really think that you you think that there's going to be um, when those they put a lot of effort into those three clans, the three with the three clans. Oh, and each one of them so realized. The suitors, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's all the, it's the suitors, and they all have their dads. Yeah, uh, kind of the suitors are all wildly inappropriate in their own way. One's kind of bumbling. Um, one's a real poser who's full of himself, <laughs> um, um, and and they they're all kind of reflected in their. And dads one's a complete well. dolt. Yeah. yeah. So there's a real there's there's a kind of father son theme between the three of them, but then then obviously, um, Merida has a different relationship with her dad, and she's more driven by um, their family is more driven by her mum. And they, they do balance that really well, where the, the dad never comes across as, as weak. No, he's you know, quite a strong he character. Does, he, does, he does the fighting, and the mother kind of decides how does to do the diplomacy, yeah. And, and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, and then the third act, so the, so the, the third act, the, obviously someone, I think it's the dad who sees the bear, uh, who sees the mum as the bear, and... The third act is, is, is basically um, this this caper as they try and get try and get the they bear, try to get back trying to get her out of the castle and they're trying to get this tapestry. To the, oh, and Merida's Merida's got she's got to sew the tapestry, and she's but, got three younger brothers, three triplets. Oh, yeah, yeah who yeah. have also been turned into cute bears. Yeah. yeah, there's something there's something nice in the fact that the the thing she has to achieve 
in order to break the spell is this um, an, act, an act of domestic. Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, traditionally domestic female act of sewing. Sewing, sewing this tapestry, tapestry back But she has to do it while she's riding a horse. Yeah. Um, which is quite a, quite a charming juxtaposition of those two. Those, those, those two, two worlds, values, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it, it, everything about that film, well, watching it again today, um, um, is is really good. And I think it's a it's it's a film we need more of. Yeah, with with powerful and good natured role models yeah. for women, uh, for young women especially. That isn't a Disney princess, which yeah. which is part of the controversy of this film is how Disney co-opted the Merida character afterwards and then changed it to fit their princess line. Yeah, that's right. And um, they, they slandered her and gave her curves that she didn't necessarily have in the film. Yeah. Tied her eyes. Tied up her hair. Yeah, made her hair manageable and stuff to fit a princess mold, which yeah. is kind of interesting. But So, yeah, story-wise, I guess there's nothing, there's nothing really wrong with the story. It's just kind of unexpected. Kind of wanted to be. Um, I kind of they, feel they like don't, they don't pay off the stuff that they set up in the first. Thing. Yeah. And well, I they, feel like taken in this really different direction. I feel like there's three directors involved in this film. And, yeah, and, yeah, that's right. One of them, um, and from from memory, from looking at IMDb afterwards, I don't think any of them really went on to do much of anything else. One of them seemingly turns up in Pixar stuff quite frequently. And from what I've read about it, I think one of them was moved on or left the project for some reason during production of the film, and then they brought another person in. And that reads to me like somebody somewhere was not happy with what was going on in the film. Mm. Um, it, that part, the, the first act, all of that is great. I think mm. that there's a fantastic film there, and then it takes this wacky detour into Magic Land at the, with the with the bear mom with Ursine mom, yeah. and yeah. that's just weird to me. I don't know if you need to take what should be a story about a mother and daughter, and then take one of their voices away, like turn it into this yeah. this weird half Freaky Friday thing where the yeah. mother's turned into a bear. Uh, that that's just odd. Uh, it really feels like this movie was changed. Yeah. halfway through and then they tack on a bit at the beginning with a young Merida and a prologue yeah. uh, to build to, to justify the payoff with a bear um, representing like all that's bad and wicked in the world in, in the second and third act yeah. uh, like that just it just feels like an odd mashing of ideas I don't think the other issue with Merida herself well there's a couple of issues with, I have with Merida she doesn't really uh, having, having just said that she she kind of learns the value of the, the statesmanship and the custom. She's really, she's really, she's looking for anything that she can distract that group with. She's just trying to get a, she's just trying to get this bear up a flight of stairs. Yeah, it's not. With she's not. Which really I would point out, out of it. one of, like the way that scene is staged. One of those groups of people um, are staring right at her the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like I, I found trouble in that whole sequence. Like yeah. they're, they're they're lined up behind tables and they're having a big um, play war uh, with arrows stuck out of everything and spears mm. stuck out of everything. Um, and the mother is skirting around the back wall 
Um, one of those <laughs> groups of people, the entire time, was staring right at the bear. Yeah. It's like, oh. So, essentially, she she doesn't learn much herself. She doesn't go through a lot of change or a lot of arc. Um, it's 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 there, but it's pretty thin. Um, where you contrast it with contrast it with something like Moana, um, where you know there's a there's a, an obvious journey that she goes on, an obvious obvious arc as she uh, you know learns to have more confidence in herself, um, and which again is, is is counterpointed really nicely with um, Maui's journey, who who starts off as a character who is too confident in himself. Could the rock be too confident in himself? <laughs> like I, I'm just, you know, just I'm just spitballing here, but he he deserves all that confidence. <laughs> He's a good-looking, muscular man. Yes, um, yeah, don't disagree. <laughs> um, the the other thing again, and, and maybe maybe Meredith, maybe um, Brave suffers a little bit in the comparison to, to Moana, and I freaking love Moana. Mm. Um, and, and the other thing is, when you compare Merida to Moana, Merida is really not very funny. Um, she's, she's you know, I, I love her because she's strong. She's such a well-realized character. But she doesn't... Um, Need no man. She's just not very funny. Um, there's, there's there's one scene in particular where she's... Um, it's, it's at the, at the, um, the, the bow and arrow contest... And one of the guys screws up his shot, and he gets real, he gets super upset. He cracks his bow, and he's crying, and he just loses his loses his shit. And, and Merida's wisecrack is, "Oh, that's attractive!" Uh. Like it's just a <laughs> it's, it's just a, a throwaway kind of sarcastic bullshit line. But she's meant to be a teenage girl. Well, Moana's a teenage girl. She's funny. Yeah, but refer earlier comment about she... the rock. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. You're just being around the rock. <laughs> <laughs> that's so that yes. Other rocks around the rock become funny. <laughs> so that's that's something I think that I think that Merida's Merida's lacking is, is she's uh, yeah she's she's not very. Uh, uh, I think she could use a terrible to say this. She could use a proper sidekick as well. I think yeah, first, the they kind of first act of the the horse is kind of Angus, the most Scottish horse ever. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then I think I think I guess it, I think it's just supposed to be her mum. Yeah, weird, weird Disney. I, I think we're gonna just make a distinction. Like it is the first Pixar film post the Disney buyout, but it's not it's not a Disney film in the same way that. Tangled and um, Frozen and yeah. Moana is like those are clearly that Disney film mold where you've got the the princess and there's song and there's animals that seemingly are way too smart like yeah. those are those are Disney tropes through and through. Yeah. Whereas whereas this is a Pixar film where you've got animals, um, toys that talk and cars that seemingly have survived an apocalypse and killed all the humans. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, Certainly in the world that they've set up, and certainly at odds with the Pixar film, you're right. I think that it's lacking that sidekick. Yeah, all it all it all just adds up to a sense that it's not. It's just not a complete 
film. It's not all there. And yeah, whether that's so, how much of that is to do with the, the, the studio? How much of that is to do with the kind of changes and changes in director and changes in direction of the film? Um, yeah, I don't. I, I, I so don't know. all three directors are known for animated film. Yeah, all three of them have extensive writing credits in um, animated movies. Like uh, they're involved in The Lion King and The Prince of Egypt yeah. and um, Toy Story. Um, yeah. they're all and they're all uh, at least at least two of them are, are are Pixar babies, as it were. That they've come up through the ranks at Pixar, but seemingly something happened. It seems to me that something happened during the production of this film. Because um, there was an original trailer that was shown shortly after, or well before the film came out, that, that featured her climbing on rocks, and um, it was a very seemingly an action story focused on her. And mm -hmm. I haven't been able to find that trailer again, but I remember seeing it at the time, and it was um, it was it was kind of like a love letter to Scotland um, kind yeah. of a trailer. And then the trailer that came out much much later. The story trailer features her, and she's complaining about her how much her parents don't understand her, and she's a teenage girl in, in, a, in a rock and roll world, and she wants to live her life, and these parents aren't going to let her. So it's a very modern sort of a take on that trope, you know, yeah. placing it back in time. Um, whereas I, you know, think princesses in that day and age would just happy not to be dying of cholera, um, and they have. Something's changed at, at some point, and they've, they've changed it. Yeah. Where it feels like they came in and went, that's not working, or what are you doing? You can't make this movie about yeah. a mother and a daughter like that. Where's the wacky hijinks? Yeah. Um, and it feels like that kind of happened. It, it's, it's a very odd Pixar film. It, it's not a bad thing, but it's just a very odd Pixar film in context with all the other Pixar films. Yeah. And I struggle with that. Um, there were a lot, yeah, a lot of different writers. Yeah. As well as, well as the, as well as director changing. Um, yeah, I think that, I think they've gone, you know, sense of a lot of back and forth with the screenplay and that maybe they, um, maybe it was still uh, a little bit half baked when they went into production. I kind of get the feeling that Pixar knows, um, they certainly know enough during the making of whatever film they're making it right now, what film they're making next, because they're able to mm. reference or, or plant Easter eggs in whatever film they're making now to hint yeah. at what they're going to make next. So yeah. um, in this film, they, I guess they must have known that Monsters University was the next one because they were able to reference this, is it Sully? Sully. Yeah, they are able to reference him in the hut. Um, and I don't know which film immediately preceded this one, but I'm just going to assume that there was a hint towards this film in whatever Pixar film preceded this one, where yeah. a character shows up in it. Um, that's how they work. So yeah. maybe a Toy Story, is it Toy Story three, maybe. Um, what we'll cut out in post is me googling that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Pixar film timeline. Don't let me now down Google. Here we go. Um, list of Pixar films released. Oh, no, that one, this one. 
Oh, God. So, Kairos 2 precedes this one. Okay. Yeah. It's actually one of the few Pixar films that I think I've watched in its entirety. Um, from what I understand, it's terrible. But uh, before this, the, you had the, the Holy Three, as far as I'm concerned, which, which preceded this one, which is Wally Up and Toy Story 3. Oof. That's a tough act to follow. Those three really fantastic movies. Fantastic films. Um, and not just on oh, Ratatouille. Ratatouille was really good as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you had Cars in 2006, Ratatouille in 2007, Wally in 2008. So they're releasing a film a year. So their pipeline must be full um, all the way through for the next 10 years. They must yeah. know what they're working on already. Yeah. So. It, it strikes me as odd that they got this far through the film, um, or at least that far into the writing process. Because you'd figure by the time that they're starting to animate that they would have a script, right? Like, they've got to have yeah. it. Yeah. This isn't a, this isn't a fly-by-wire Hollywood production where they're literally writing it on writing, set. Writing as they shoot. Writing it as they shoot. <laughs> this isn't Apocalypse Now. Yeah. <laughs> Going over budget on, on, in, in the Philippines. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Need lines for today, Mr. Brando. <laughs> I don't need lines. <laughs> I don't read the script. Script reads me. <laughs> I am the script. I am the script. I'm also 40 kilos overweight. <laughs> I'm a fat marine. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> Oh, God rest his soul in three graves. God, he was a big guy at the end. Mm. Have you seen that the, the last film he did? Um, it's got Martin Sheen in it, and oh, I can't remember his name, but he was in, um, uh, is it The Wipeout? Um, the Vineyard, the wine movie with um, Paul Giamatti, and they go wine tasting. Oh, I don't um, know. Oh, I don't know he was also in that TV show Wings. Um, He's an Academy Award-nominated actor. He was Sandman in, in Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Um, that guy. Um, oh, God. Where was I going with this? I don't know. He's <laughs> a lot of different Marlon Brando stuff. <laughs> oh, anyway. So Martin Sheen and that guy and Marlon Brando are in this film. It's the last film that Marlon Brando made. Okay. And um, uh, Marlon Brando is this, this judge father-in-law from hell thing and Martin Sheen and him are on the run from the law and Marlon Brando's there and they're, they're playing him up as a giant of a man and he really is a giant yeah. of a man he's just grossly overweight um it's terrible like that's Marlon Brando's last film like yeah. surely if you're Marlon Brando you just shoot yourself after after the Godfather part two right and just walk away <laughs> like I've, I've done everything I need to do to film <laughs> Oh, he wasn't. He wasn't in 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 Godfather Part Two. After they got oh yeah, Apocalypse Now, I guess. But yeah, yeah. Gosh, um, yeah. How do you go from Marlon Brando Apocalypse Now, Marlon Brando Godfather, Marlon Brando um, on the waterfront to Marlon Brando uh, in the Island of Doctor Moreau or yeah. um, this this last one with Charlie Sheen? I can't remember what it's called, but it's just abysmal. Yeah. Oh, he's oh, he in that heist film, um, The Score, with um, uh, not Al Pacino, um, the other one, Bobby De Niro, um, yeah. and Angela Bassett, and um, Edward Norton. That was a good film, but he's a giant of a man there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. gosh. So getting off topic. <laughs> I excel at getting us off topic. Brave. What else? What else about Brave? 
That's just a weird film. I, I just don't understand how they got there. That's what I don't understand. Like, why not well, make I, that movie I, yeah, I about... I want to know what the movie was going to be about. Yeah, like, like, was it going to be like an adventure story a la Scottish Lara Croft with uh, Merida going on an adventure or... or were they? Did they just not have enough of a script? Were they just film some, Although, some? She can't go anywhere. They've set up such a great family for her at home, which is a, a, again. Sorry to keep harkening back to Moana. Moana's family is good. Like they're they're fine. They're, they're, you, you, they they get the balance just right because the balance is you like them enough to to understand why Moana wants to go back to them, mm. why they're important to Moana. Um. Um, the one she loves the most, her grandma, mm, dies, dies, and so she can kind of revisit her in an Obi Wan Kenobi yeah. kind of way. Um, but they they do they do just enough that you you kind of don't mind her leaving them behind. Um, so I think, but I think they they kind of over probably if they wanted to do that with Brave, and if they wanted to have Mary to go and have an adventure and prove herself, learn a few things along the way. They they invested too much in in her family and in, and again it take, comes back to that first act where um, her family are also interesting. She's got these three little brothers, um, and then you've got all these suitors who are all amazing and very well realized and, and well realized. Yeah, um, and, and and so I can imagine they did all that, and then they perhaps they did have the script where she she jumped on her horse and left. And she went and did something else, but they left all this amazing stuff behind, and so and I can imagine why they would have, they would have gone. We can't we can't leave all this stuff. We've got to we've got to rewrite the story in a way that she can um, she can stick around. Either either that or or it was always meant to be a it was always meant to be a story about the witchcraft and the sorcery, but it, they had, they had no first act. The first act was too weak, and so they. They needed they, a way to get her to the witch. It, yeah, they they plumped the first act um, to fill that out till they could get her to the witch, but they did too well. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I don't know. I can imagine all sorts of conflicts where people will go. You've done too good a job here. Yeah, these characters. Were Billy Connolly is going to eat this up. Characters we created to fill. Wait a second. Let me just time. get this right. You hired Emma Thompson to voice the mother, and then for most of the yeah. film, she's been going she's grunting gonna, like a bear. Can't talk. No, <laughs> no, you've done wrong. <laughs> Flesh out the first half. So, um, yeah, it's weird. Maybe that's what they did. I don't know. Sounds odd. It's certainly the the first half of an hour is is really at odds with the rest of the movie. It really is, and I really like the setup. I really love where they're going with that. I, I remember seeing the marketing for this film when it came out, and I don't. I'll confess, with most Pixar films, I don't look at it and go. I'm really into that story. I'm going to go and see what that's about. Normally with a Pixar film, I'm just going to go unless it's a Cars film because that's not for me. Yeah. That's for toddlers who want to buy toys. Yeah. Um, but with this, watching it again, I just realized how much I like the first act. Prologue notwithstanding. Yeah. But even that's kind of cool. Um, I like the whole setup of that story with her being bound by that dress and tradition. Oh. And then she has to 
bust it to 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 get on the archery yeah. and let her hair out and stuff. Imagery is fantastic. fantastic. She's um, the little, the little, the little lock of hair keeps coming out, sticks out from under her. Well, she keeps fishing it out. She, that's that's right. That's yeah. right. Her mum tucks it away. Tucks it she, away. She, she and pushes she pushes it out. it out. She wants it there. Yeah, yeah. You will hide that red hair away. You abomination on nature <laughs> <laughs> no man will ever love you with a flaming red hair <laughs> get out of here we're we're a couple th- we're a thousand years away from hair dye <laughs> hide away hide away bastard red-headed stepchild <laughs> mike's red-headed by everyone um but um they do that and then i don't know there's this whole magic thing that comes after it why couldn't you have carried on with that first story? She's she's proven that she's better at the boys at archery. Um, or, I don't know, she's proven I, that she doesn't need them. And I guess that's the arc, right? Like, she's got to establish that the mother's got to learn that, you know, traditional values aren't everything. Here's a theory. Um, the original story had her... Um, in an unlikely romance with one of these suitors and someone came in and said that's too disney we actually need to we we don't want her in a romance at all and so they had to so they 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 took that from that from the first from the first act they 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 had to come up with a story wherein she had nothing to do with the suitors even though they'd created these amazing characters in the suitors they go out of their way to make at least two of three of these suitors not viable Disney princes. Oh yeah, yeah. There's one. There's one of the suitors that that um the one you can't understand. Um, I think that yeah. Th- that's like set up like he's the only traditional mold that a yeah. Disney prince would fit into. I just I wonder if there are, if there was a story in here at some point that well if there was at some point a romantic storyline for Merida. Um, which which had to be which someone someone came in and expunged on the grounds of um, uh, you know not wanting not wanting to even go there. If you're going to make a story about a strong female protagonist, you just you just need romance to be far far away. Yeah, it needs to be a very secondary or ancillary idea. Yeah. It's it, certainly that might have flown in the in the fifties and sixties where. A woman's arc was just about getting hitched. Like, well, yeah, even later. Oh, yeah, true. Eighties, eighties, and nineties. Um, certainly not by today's standards. Like, gosh, women can do anything they freaking well, want. Well, yeah, and again, that's what I'm again. Says the two precursor to precursor to what you saw, what you see in Frozen, where um, the main character has a has a love interest, but her true love at the end is revealed to be her love for her sister. True. Yeah, although there is, um, although there is no uh, true love for Elsa, as it were, um, only Anna gets yeah. gets the guy, and that's is it Sven or is Sven. it Sven? Um, isn't that or is that the reindeer? Well, well you've got kids; you probably have to watch it a whole lot more than I do. <laughs> but he's 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 secondary. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the love for the sister that breaks the spell. True, true, yeah. true, true. Um, and the, arguably the the most clear protagonist in the film is the love interest because he he's like oh you just need to die so that i can get everything mm. hurry up and die would you mm. um uh which is yeah which is why that is such an odd film 
well, an odd and a good way film for Disney. Yeah. That really breaks their own mold there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this, yeah, I think you're right, though. I think there's an element of this as a, a, a proto-modern Disney princess film yeah. that they perhaps either wanted to, because Disney now owned Pixar, maybe there was an element of pressure from above to turn it into more, or maybe there was an element of no, no, don't. Yeah. I wonder if there was conflict there. You certainly get the sense that the writers were boxed in. Yeah, they, they definitely were pushed in one direction, right? Like, you need to hit this beat, this beat, and this yeah. beat, and and somehow work in a love plot, or, or like you say, get rid of that love plot. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's a case of, well, now I guess magic? So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. It, I don't know if it needed to be a magic bear. Like, why couldn't you just have an evil bear, I guess? Mm. I don't know. Are the Scot do bears feature heavily in Scottish imagery? Is that is that Scotland known I, for its bears? I, uh, I don't know. You definitely have bears in, in Europe. The Russians the Russians have bears. I don't know. I don't know if we can continue this conversation without revealing our ignorance <laughs> of, of, of large mammals in, in, in the north of the English Isles. You did, you did manage to drop Ursine. I did. I dropped Ursine. I was, uh, I was a bit jelly. <laughs> I read a book once. <laughs> I blame this movie for the fixation on bow and arrows, though. Like we are at a point now with peak bow and arrow as a weapon or as a story element. In film and television and game, so mm. um, bow and arrow. So she's big on bow and arrow. And then immediately after this, I'm not sure when Hunger Games was written, but I don't think the movies came out um, until after this. Certainly, certainly after this, um, I think. That seems weird, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels like this movie should be a lot older. Um, Hunger Games, I'm pretty sure, were um, much. Were well, maybe they're about the same time. But yeah, I, I blame this movie for, um, oh, it's the same year. Hunger Games. Hunger Games 2012. So, God, that, that feels odd. Mm. Um, it just it feels like a Bear and St. Bears thing where, like, yeah. all of the evidence must be wrong. Yeah, yeah, because it's definitely Berenstain, right? So, so counterintuitive. Berenstain, yeah. You know, there's that whole theory that it's evidence of time. Travel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just, that's just nuts. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. It's just it doesn't fit with my my idea my your, your notion of the world of, of timelines of, of movies of this ilk. Yeah, so I blame this movie and and um, I'm going to heap it all on this film for the insistence that bow and arrows are the be all and end all weapons yeah. for women. Because then you get Tomb Raider that comes along after this, and she's all about the bow and arrow as yeah. well. So we should wrap it up. The more I'm, the more I'm talking about this, the more I. Uh, Oh, I like so much about this movie. I like so, there's so much I like about Merida. Yeah, I like uh, Merida too, uh, and I like the mum. And that could just be because I really like Emma Thompson. Mm. Um, but um, was, was it Kelly McDonald? Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah. and I assume she's naturally Scottish. Um, yeah. Well, she was. She was in yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, what should we call it? Uh, Train spotting. Yeah. Um, and Billy Connolly is great. I, I love Billy mm. Connolly. Married yeah. a married a Kiwi woman, if I understand correctly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, 
I think it's Virgin on Grey. Yeah, I think I think I think we're kind of doing it at the service talking about here. I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> yeah, what, despite despite my objections to the the magic subplot, um, and I feel like there's a better film here with a story that focused more on the mother and the daughter. Maybe it's just a, a, a grown up Craig thing where I'm looking at this with adult eyes, going, I can do without that magic subplot. Yeah. Really, just give me more of that story. Um, it almost feels like a movie in a sequel squeeze together into one movie. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Would you would you do the magic in the sequel though? Like that feels like a jump the shark moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a beautiful story about a mother and a daughter relationship. Now magic bears <laughs> You wanted more, here it is. No. <laughs> Alright, so we should wrap it up. Brave. I think yeah, verging on it's verging uh, on greatness. I'm gonna I'm it's, I'm gonna call it yeah, yeah, it's it's verging on greatness. It's I'm gonna just, say it is great. Just it's the, an important the, story. The sheer just the charm of the charm of Merida, the space that it occupies as a as a precursor for um, one pretty good film in Frozen and one really, really outstanding film Moana. in Moana. And Tangled. You haven't seen Tangled. I, no, I have, I have seen... Oh, uh, you don't like Tangled? No, I, like, I liked Tangled. I really yeah. like Tangled. Yeah, Tangled was really good. You're right, I leave it out of those. Yeah, you do. It, you've, you've got to... You yeah, yeah, they're all the same. I don't know if it made quite such a big impact, in the, like a cultural impact. No, I think it flew in under yeah. the radar. I think people saw it as... It certainly didn't hit the cultural, um, cultural zeitgeist like... Frozen did. Yeah. Like, Frozen hit like a meteorite. Um, that song, it's, yeah. it was everywhere. But you're, no, you're right. I, I forget. I, I forget Tangled, and I, sh I shouldn't. I yeah. Should give more credit because it is an excellent film. Yeah. Ta Tangled is Frozen is Moana. Yeah. They are the same films. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just one with Adina Menzel in it, and you can't go wrong with Adina Menzel. Yeah. Or Adele okay. Dazeem. All right. So we're gonna wrap it up. Um, if there's if there's a movie you think is verging on greatness, um, or a suggestion, up, just let us know. Hit us up on Twitter, and we'll we'll check it out, and maybe uh, uh, maybe do a podcast about it. Maybe, um, maybe we won't credit you though. We'll say it was all our idea. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm Mike. I'm Craig, and this is us signing out. <laughs>